dream last night. A vision. I saw a world full of people. Everybody was dancing and screaming loud. They were just there to listen to the music. It was deep. It was underground. Let's turn the world into a dance floor. This is a State of Trance podcast. Yes, my name is Urban Ron and welcome to a new State of Trance podcast. And I'm looking forward to this one because we have someone very special in the studio. His real name, or he was born by David Shikansky yeah. on the 14th of December 1996. So he's such a junior still, even though this year he's celebrating 10 years of making music with a new album called X. In the studio today, Matt Fax. Welcome. How are you doing, man? Yeah, doing good. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I'm doing actually uh, really good. It's nice to uh, be in the studio to sit down here and have a couple of questions for you yep. by myself. A whole list here. And here are some questions by some fans. So, hope you're ready for this. Yeah, definitely ready. Yeah, so, um, yeah, we're going to start with the very beginning because this is what I like to do at the beginning of every podcast. Just dive into the history of, in this case, Matt Fax. First of all, how did you come up with the name Matt Fax? Uh, it's actually a pretty funny story because I was uh, already doing music under another name uh, and I wanted to s- to change my name for whatever reason. Which name was that? Uh, Mike Does. Mike Dust. Does. Does. Be- because I wanted to call myself Mike Dub, but it was already taken, so I changed the B for Z, a Z, basically. So yeah, yeah uh, that's why. Okay. Uh, I produced maybe for a year, a year and a half uh, under this name and I was... I wanted to change my name, so I was listening to two tracks on Shuffle on iTunes back then, because Spotify didn't exist back then. No. And one track was from Madzo, it was the bipolar uh, track, and one track from Jeremy Olander called Fairfax, and I said Madzo, Fairfax, Madfax, okay, let's stick with it. And that was supposed to be a placeholder name, and started releasing uh, tracks with that name, and it stick, basically. Does Madzo notice? Uh, I don't think so. No? You should tell him. Yeah, uh, I, I, never, him. I, I never spoke to him. So, uh, but yeah, uh, when I would meet him, I would say, "You inspire me to, <laughs> to for my original." My name. name is because of your name, basically. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's funny. Yep. The the crazy thing about this is that you speak about this like this is just a few years ago, but this is ten years ago. Yeah. And if you could do math, math facts, <laughs> math facts, then you know that you're 25 years old. So that basically means that you've been releasing. Uh, as Matt Fax since you were 15 years old. Correct, yes. That's incredible that you started so young. Yeah, I know, I know. And I mean, at the time, I it, it was like playing a video game. Like, you know, kids of my age would play Call of Duty or whatever, you know, all the games. And my game was, you know, making music on Ableton. So, you know, I wasn't taking music very seriously, even though when starting, you know, Matt Fax, I said, okay, now I really want, you know, to have a kind of a serious project and try to work my production more because actually I think my very first release was in 2010. Uh, so I think I was like 12 or 13 years old back then. I was making like kind of Detroit techno. Uh, I use I, I used a lot of different names. I think my very first name was David R. Um, and then moved to Mike Does and then to Mad Facts. And so wait, wait. Them. So you've been releasing music since you were 12, 13? Yeah, correct. How... Okay, okay. Before we go back into this, I'm going to go back further because yep. it's intriguing to me that such a young person gets in touch with dance music. How did you decide that you wanted to be a DJ or a producer? 
Um, actually, first of all, I always loved music. Like I always been very curious about uh, the music. And uh, when I would go to the supermarket with my parents, I would always buy CDs and mm-hmm. compilation albums, whatever. Uh, so I always loved music. And I all. I never wanted, you know, to really be a DJ until probably 2006, uh, when a friend of my mom showed me uh, a CD of Tiesto. When you were 10 years old. Yeah, I was, yeah, probably nine or 10. And uh, so I think it was like a a compilation uh, of, you know, best of, and I, I, that's how I got into trance music first. And then I... I saw the in concert 2004 mm-hmm. um, and it was that's where I said okay this is what I want to do I want to be a DJ uh, so first I started as a DJ uh, playing music and because like you know I I, I was d- digging to Tiesto so started listening to uh, Club Life and see, seeing like all the artists that he, he was playing so mm-hmm. starting digging into the this artist and then you know going down a rabbit hole basically mm-hmm. and I think around 2009, uh, maybe 2008, uh, I don't remember how, but I went uh, into uh, a French artist called Joachim Goro. Okay, yeah. Uh, which was working with David Guetta at the time. And it was in the making of his first album called Invasion. And he released like a DVD with all the making of. So he was showing all to create tracks on Ableton, etc. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got started with music production. So DJ side, Tiesto, production side, uh, Joachim Goro. So you watched the DVD of Joachim and you were like, hey, I want to download Ableton and start doing this myself. Yeah. But it still blows my mind that you did this when you were 10 years old. I know. I don't, I can't, I can't explain it. Like, you know, I just felt so connected with, you know, making music. I always loved music, mm-hmm. wanted to create. And it was like a game. Like, as I said, like, you know, I was, I wasn't, you know, very serious. I didn't understand anything about uh, the music theory or, you know, how to properly do a track. So I was just, you know, putting sounds in Ableton. Uh, first, I, I think I start on Fruity Loops at the very first, uh, yeah. but then move into Ableton. But uh, yeah, uh, that's how I started, basically. And then the, the first release, correct me if I'm wrong, was um, Invisible Deadline. Yeah, as Madfacts. EP yes. as Madfacts on Balkan Connection, which is still a fantastic label as today. Yeah. Progressive Music. Yep. Um, do you still remember vividly that you signed those track away? Um, actually, uh, I don't really remember... Oh, I did sign these tracks, but um, I always loved, you know, Balkan Connection. It's a great label, as you said. And still is, every, yeah. Yeah, still is. And uh, I think, yeah, I sent the two tracks. Maybe I sent maybe more. Uh, and yeah, they signed it right away. And because I, I remember I had some friends who already released on that label. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, this is such a, a great label. Okay, I'm going to send tracks to it. And, and yeah, that's how it happened. And I think then your parents needed to sign it off because you were still 16, 15. Yeah, yeah, at the time, yeah. But actually I was living with my mom, so she was signing paperwork, but uh, she didn't understand anything. So she just signed and said, yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Mom, here's another one. Yeah, yeah. at some point I think like uh, I had a risk like maybe every week or every month and I would bring a pill, you know, of papers and, you know, she would take like maybe like maybe 15 minutes to just do signatures. And at the, uh, at the <laughs> end, she was like, yeah, you can imitate my signature. Like, you know, the, the, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and that, yeah, because the, then you had a period of time and then, uh, uh, and Hans picked you up, I think. Yeah. Um, you had your 
first guest mix on uh, Trends Around the World or Group Therapy? What was Group Therapy? But I was, uh, I think I got play on Trends Around the World as well. But yeah, never guest. The mix. youngest, uh, youngest guest mixer on there, I think. Yep. And then at a certain point, you were okay. I'm tired of this. That was uh, that was 2014, I think. Yeah. Then you took a hiatus. As yeah. It's, as it's called. So you you were like, um, let me quote this real quick because I found this. Mm -hmm. To be honest, I never stopped working when I said I quit. The problem is that a couple of months before the announcement, I started losing faith in what I did. Something wasn't right. My music wasn't going nowhere. Lost in the mess. So I eventually tried other styles to improve my production quality during then. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I remember that quote. I think you got it from Wikipedia, right? I did, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. I, I had a little hiatus. I, actually... People who know me personally know that I'm not very sure of myself. I have a very low self-esteem. It, mm -hmm. it improved a little bit with the years, but back then I had little to no support around me in my entourage. Like even, even my family was was saying like, "Yeah, you you drop off school because I I drop off school to 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 work on music full time." And they told me, "Yeah, you should get a real job and you should actually." It's not that they didn't believe in me, but they were scared about my future, basically. You know, mm -hmm. they want me because I didn't have any diploma. Yeah. Uh, so they wanted me to to have a good future. So I, at the time, I didn't understand that. You know, I was like maybe seven, 16 or 17. I don't remember. But um, so I was like, yeah, they don't believe in me. So I quit. And my music was not getting played or, you know, I didn't had any opportunities. Uh, I was working with good labels though, because I remember in 2013, I had like a remix on Anjuna. Mm -hmm. I was working also with Self Music at the time, which is an amazing label uh, with amazing people. And yeah, uh, I was, yeah, just losing faith like any any other humans that would, you know, put their uh, soul in their work and wouldn't get the recognition that they, they, they would expect. So yeah, that's what happened. But uh, I never restarted working, and I think at the time it was also to get a little bit of attention, like boohoo, see, I'm, I'm, I'm living music. So yeah, just give me some love, you know. Yeah. I was searching a little bit of attention, but yeah, at some time, yeah, I was like, yeah, um, I will quit music because this is not for me, and it's not going to go anywhere. I think that's a, a problem of, of a lot of producers that are up and coming because, um, like you said, maybe the people around you do not support you or maybe the DJs that you love don't like your music or maybe your fan base doesn't like music or you don't have a fan base at all. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's that's a thing that we really should address to to people that are up and coming that um, you have to keep on working, you have to keep believing in yourself. How did you get on top of this? Like this is, how, how would you um, give advice to people that are in a similar situation to get on top of it? Um... I'm trying to remember, uh, but actually what helped me was to keep working on music anyway, because I loved it. I love making music. So mm -hmm. uh, I remember at the time I was making more dubstep, glitch chop kind of, uh, of stuff because I wanted to move into that direction because that what, that's what was hot at that moment. I remember yeah. back in 2014. So uh, making music really helped me. And I remember at the time I had like a friend who later became my, my manager who started, you know, keep pushing me, basically. It was like, yeah, keep keep doing music and yeah, we can work together, etc. I also had like, you know, uh, some older friends, uh, I'm thinking of a friend in particular that w was living the same thing as me. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know, making music, but his music was not going anywhere. And so it was giving me support. I was giving him support. And so, yeah, we... Unfortunately, he totally dropped, but uh, it helped me, you know, to, to go back into music production and release more music. So basically what you're saying, you just try to find people around you to help you out. 
yeah. getting back into the swing. Yeah, yeah, basically. because I couldn't give myself, you know, that boost yeah. uh, myself. So yeah, I had to find support on with older people, basically. How did you find these people to support you? Um, actually, they came to me. Yeah, they came to me. I don't, I don't know how or why, but you know, one day they just messaged me and say, "Hey, I love you. Your music just keep going." And yeah, that particular friend I was talking about, he, he just like, yeah, I just live the same thing. It was on single music as well, and he said, "Yeah, I, I, I feel." just like you because like uh, i don't feel my music is going anywhere and it was yeah very depressed and stuff so you know i just kind of felt you know sorry for him so started to helping him mm -hmm. and i was like okay um okay yeah that that gave me a motivation you know to to help him and see okay if i can go back to music you can go back to music as well so yeah that was the that was the spirit i was in that's awesome and um when you got back into music what was the first release after that uh, that, that small pause of time um, I think so. If I remember correctly, I I took my hiatus in 2014, so that was maybe one year and a half after. That was the going down hippie on Colorize, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was still, you know, in contact with Colorize and Hans, and actually they still believe in me. But you know, I mean, like at the time, I was not working like uh, really with them. Uh, it was like a, a label I was only regularly releasing stuff on. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, just send like you know these two tracks and say okay, we will see what happens. If it goes out, it goes out, and if it doesn't do nothing, then we will see. And actually, going down was played uh, by Armin mm -hmm. as uh, one in the warm set, yeah, yeah, one, that, yeah, yeah. And that's where I said, okay, Armin is playing my tunes. Maybe, maybe I can give music kind of chance. Actually, mm -hmm. that's where, that's why I said, okay, let's go, let's jump back into that train and you know try to go the 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 farthest I can yeah because you you chose your path back into progressive again after making glitch yep. step whatever dubstep and they're going down when it got played on on I think it was a state of trance I can't remember where it was but the warm up set I remember that that he played it yep and I remember from that period could be a little bit later that you uh, released wrath which one wrath I don't remember. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's a tune that I played a lot in my set. It was a really, really good uh, good tune. And then from there on, you uh, released your first album in 2017. Uh, the first Contrast. album, yes. yes. It was with Colorized, of course. Yes. Followed by Progressions 2020. Right. Yeah. And now, finally, X. Yeah, this year. And that's, um, you have to tell a little bit more about it because it's, you, you said it yourself, it's not necessarily an album. It's more of a compilation. Yeah, definitely, because like people think it's an album because like, you know, there's 10 tracks, but I consider it like a compilation of uh, works that I did, you know, uh, during this 10 years uh, uh, time lapse, basically. And um, there is no real cohesion, like there is no story. There is not like an intro, an interlude, an outro like I can do on my other albums. So, uh, yeah, it's more a compilation of, you know, all works that I finally putting out. They basically tell the story of Matt Fax. Sorry? They tell the story of Matt Fax. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, definitely. Especially with the retrospective mix as well, because like there's the new tunes, but there's also two mix. And I also wanted, I, this compilation is more, you know, to, to celebrate, you know, the fact that I made it for 10 years, you know, uh, mm -hmm. because I didn't believe in it uh, at first. So uh, people said like, you know, like a, a best of, it's a personal accomplishment for me, like, like a trophy to say myself, man, you just did like 10 years. Uh, wouldn't you have believed it like, you know, 10 years ago? Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, it's definitely like, I think it's a good way for people who are new uh, with my music to discover my old stuff and also to have like a new 
album kind of thing. And yeah. So there's 10 new tracks on there. Yep. And how did you pick the 10 uh, retrospective tracks? How did you go back? Because your catalog is insanely big. How did you pick the certain ones that you want to have on X? Um, so I did a whole list of my, you know, uh, most sold popular tracks and also my personal favorites and just trying, you know, to mix them together, uh, in my head first, you know, to kind of see, okay, this track can go well with this one and this mm -hmm. one can go well with this one. The first retrospective mix is a little deeper progressive and the second is Motron. So that was the idea in the very beginning mm -hmm. in any ways. Um, I also, you know, uh, church, you know, for the most popular tracks, you know, uh, the most sold tracks on Beatport, the most sold, the most, uh, stream tracks on Spotify, etc. And I was like, okay, if I was a Mad Facts fan, what would I love to hear? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that's all together, uh, along with some, yeah, my personal favorites. Uh, that's how I end up, uh, making this retrospective mix, but Uh, at first, it was only supposed to be original stuff because I wanted to keep it original. And my manager was like, "Yeah, you got so much amazing remix. You, let's not forget, uh, forget like you know the amazing remixes you you did." So yeah, there was more work, but yeah, I think the, I think the the two retrospective mix are you know really the essence of Madfax. You know, of course, you know, depending on people, uh, they would say like, "Yeah, you should have included this track or this track." But I think for me, yeah, this is like the 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 one one of my track, mm -hmm. Netflix. Are these the, the tracks that you're most proud of as well? Yes. Yes, of course. Of course. Like some of the tracks, they have like a, a special plus, a, a special place in my heart mm -hmm. and I'm proud of them, you know, in terms of production, etc. So yeah, definitely. Is there uh, any music that didn't make the compilation even though you were like, this has to be on there? Oh, there's uh, there's plenty of them, but I don't have any names on the top of my head right now. But yeah, there, there was definitely tracks. I would have, I could have done like, you know, a third retrospective mix but this would have been a little bit too too much so uh maybe maybe what i would do uh later on is maybe do a spotify playlist of 10 tracks underrated tracks mm -hmm. that i love and di that didn't make like you know like that went under the radar the, the race day or whatever so yeah and you you also told me that um while you were working on this compilation you also picked up some old pro uh, projects that you never finished yeah and then you finished them Yeah. How was it to go back into all these old productions? And it basically, it's like, um, how, we, how would you say? If I look back to my old projects, it's like a time machine, right? You still remember when you sat down uh, or maybe you don't remember because mm. you forget about the project, but a certain emotion was in that tune. And there was one tune that you started in 2012 and you finished it for this compilation, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, that's the track called Borden. So on the first disc. Uh, it's uh, a track so that I've started 10 years ago. Um, the first project I think I created during the summer of 2012. Uh, and I actually remember doing it. I remember uh, what mood I was in, where I was. And actually, I always love, you know, the, the melody in that. But during the years, I tried so many versions and versions. I think I, do, I did like maybe five to six versions between 2012 and now. Um, and yeah... When I finally finished the tune, I was like, oh God, this is, it's like closing a chapter, you know, that was not closed, basically. And Was it a relief? Like, <sighs> Yeah, yeah, finally. I was like, yo, finally, finally I could finish it. And that's also a message, you know, to all the producers listening to us. Like, if you have a project that you can't finish and you feel like you still love the idea, keep it. And maybe in 10 years you will be able to finish it with your uh, knowledge, new knowledge in music production and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I've been watching your Twitch streams a lot when you are making music. And what I notice is that you are so fast. You, 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 you're such an idea man. Like you write an idea really fast. Yeah. So that basically means that how many ideas can you write in a day? How it depends how motivated if you have, if I am. Mo if you're in a good mood. Oh, I think I can write two to three ideas per day if I'm in a good mood. So how many ideas are still sitting in your hard disk that you never finished? <sighs> that's that's a tough question. I would I think like my Ableton project, unfinished project is like uh forty gigabytes. <laughs> so imagine <laughs> I think yeah, I must be like yeah, a thousand projects or at least, you know, close to that number. But yeah, there is a lot of yeah, unfinished project. Um, and I think there's even older project which I can't open because it's older versions of Ableton. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, yeah, there's a lot, lot, lot of unfinished ideas. I actually have like a Google Drive folder where I export like now, since a couple of years, I export like all my ideas to recent my phone. I think like there is already like uh, two to three hundred uh, unreleased you know, unfinished ideas, even loops or, you know, uh, just demos. small ideas, like two bars, three bars. Yeah. Like. Sometimes have an, uh, extended ideas that never go anywhere, but yeah. Or just for your DJ sets maybe. Yes. As well. Yes. I'm just wondering, because this is a very essential topic. Also, if you're an upcoming producer, um, how do you take those ideas and how do you finish them? How do you tell to yourself, okay, you really need to finish this one. Um, I would say it depends you know, on the moment when I hear the ID. Uh, sometimes I can finish an ID within the day or within the week when mm -hmm. I'm working on it. But most of the time I'm, I'm starting an ID and then coming back to it month after with a fresh years, basically. But I want to have material to, to work on, basically. So I'm always, you know, searching for new ideas, etc. Et so it really depends. I don't have like, you know, any guideline when it comes to finishing tracks or completing them. But all I know is that, yeah, I have an idea. If I feel motivated or inspired by it, I'm going to try and extend it and make an extended mix. But otherwise, yeah, I'm just going to do a loop, listen to it until I'm bored of it and just save it, export it in my mighty Google Drive folder, listen to it <laughs> and finish in the next few months, years. Yeah. Are you a kind of producer that gets out of bed in the middle of the night to put down a melody that you have in your head? No, not really. It actually happened me, to me had once, I think, or twice. But um, yeah, at night I, I'm sleeping and not really thinking about music. Like I, I see music like my dead job. So I, I just wake up, you know, like early in the morning, starting entering the studio at 8, finishing at 5 p.m. Uh, with a lunch break, of course. But uh, that's how I like to write music. So after 5 p.m., my, my brain is just disconnected from music. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, the, I can still have ideas about releasing music or having ideas, you know, for the promotion of a track or, but yeah, uh, after 5 p.m., I'm not in the studio and just, uh, yeah, uh, say, okay, I will see this uh, tomorrow or the day after. Is that something that you learned along the way? That's because pretty sure that if you start out in music, you just make music 24 hours a day, burning yourself out, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because at some point, especially when I was making progression, so a couple of years ago before COVID, uh, I was making music like really 24-7 and putting my personal life, you know, on the side. And I could write music until I would, you know, crash my head on the on the keyboard, mm -hmm. you know, from being tired. So, um, yeah, that that's what used to happen. And then, you know, with COVID, you know, and growing up, I was like, okay, I need, you know, to set limits uh, just for my brain because it's not healthy at all. And because also at some point, you know, you, you force 
you kind of force yourself to create ideas, but sure, yeah. uh, when you listen back to them, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> what was I listening? Yeah, 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 yeah. What, what, what was I thinking? Yeah. That early morning after a late night making music that you're like, <gasps> what? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. What is wrong with this? <laughs> uh, okay, let's dive into some questions uh, from the listeners. Thank you for sharing all of that, by the way. Yeah. Tone Ross, there he is, the one and only. Can we expect a new BT collaboration soon? Because um, you have a good chemistry with him. Yeah, I definitely, we have a good friendship and yeah, we love working together. So there's actually a new track we are working on together. And yeah, I think yeah, there's plenty of more co collaborations. We, we, we started working on all the tracks that didn't happen. Um, actually, I have a new remix coming for him in the, in a few weeks. So yeah, we still having we we are still in contact. He sent me like his new VSTs, uh, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to test and say, hey man, what do you think of this? And I'm like, yeah, this is incredible. What do you, crazy what do reverb, you have in insane. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's new BD Malfax stuff coming for sure. Awesome, awesome. Um, Mekluski wants to know: Do you think you'll produce more tracks in the future in a more funky house style? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I I know why he's doing uh, saying that. It's it's because I think in a in a guest mix somewhere I've played like an old ID, but back then I think it was even before Mad Facts. I made like you know a French house kind of uh, of track. You know, filter filter it. house. Yeah, yeah, filter house. The French sound. Yeah, yeah, that was maybe back in 2010, 2011. and I never released this track obviously. You know, because of the sample and cetera. But um. I don't know. It's something I like to do. Uh, so, I mean, like, I, I should try more for sure, but it's always complicated to raise them because uh, because of the samples, etc., and the, the clearing of the sample. But I love doing the, the, this kind of stuff for sure. That's how Eric Prince got big, right? He sampled, a, I think it was a Daft Punk, a live set that Jeremy called on me or something like that. And then he took that and then... Anyways, there's a good YouTube yeah, video yeah, the, about the it. The story is a little out. bit complicated. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a YouTube video about that, by yeah. the way. So, but uh, yeah, the story is a little bit more complicated than that. Yeah, Agatha, also uh, very known over here. When can we expect some Madfax merchandise? Actually, pretty soon, uh, because uh, we just released X, and I said uh, I think it would be good to to have some merchandise. So we are working on it. Um, so yeah, I think pretty soon in the next couple of months. Um, so now that I've said it, they need to do merchandise. So enhance team, if you are <laughs> listening to me, just do the damn merchandise. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Especially a deadhead. That would be nice if you have one of those. Yeah. Elena69, Luca wants to know, what is your dream collaboration? Uh, so I remember one one year ago I said Solo Stone. Uh, it still didn't happen. Uh, so I'm going to try to think of a different name. Uh, Ferry Corsten. Would be very Corsten. Yeah, and we spoke about it uh, because we did a, an Instagram question and answer session, and we spoke about it. And we need to to find some time to work on something. But uh, I know it's definitely okay to do one. So uh, I think yeah, in the next few years, it's going to happen. I think he's going to be here in a few minutes, so we oh. can we can ask about him. So nice, a fairy. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you had a, after COVID, you had a couple of really good tours already. Um, can you tell the maze? the most um, funny thing that happened on the last tour you did in the US? Um, must be I, I have a funny story actually. So I don't remember where it was. I think it was in, uh, in San Francisco. Um, so I, I landed at the, at the San Francisco airport and go through customs, right? Mm -hmm. So I show my passport, etc. And they redirect me to another guy. Uh, he see my name and he say, are you Madfax? And I'm like, 
what? Uh, how do you know me? How do you know me? <laughs> he said, I love Angina and I love uh, Above and Beyond, etc. So I do know you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I was so, so, it was so weird. And I was like, yeah. And so we chat for a couple of minutes and it was like, hey, I have a nice set tonight, etc. Uh, because I think Above and Beyond was also playing at the same weekend as we we were playing with Estiva and Deza during the Corescapes tour. Mm-hmm. So that was one of funny story. And it actually happened not so long ago in a Denver hotel where the guy show, uh, see me and he say, oh, Matt Fax, yeah, you are playing in like uh, like tonight. And I say, yeah. <laughs> but You're all like- people do know me. I It's still blow my mind. Like, I, I feel like I'm literally nobody. And to have people oh, at customs... On, of, you have a lot of fans. Yeah, I, I have a lot of fans. That's why I got so much hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Now, drugs aside, it still blows my mind, but it feels so good. But I, I, I'm like, yeah, I still understand, but it feels good though when it happens. Yeah, I mean, you deserve it, man. You, yeah, you, you. You've been releasing some amazing music along the way. Thank you. Um, one thing I, I, I would like to jump into as well, because... Um, Dance music in France is is not, especially trance or progressive, is not really at the best spot where it could be right now. Yeah. Um, how did you get in touch with? How, how do you keep on going with the sound that you're doing right now, even though your your fellow countrymen are not really doing this? Basically, I just do the music I love, man. I don't care about my one country. I would say, even if I would love to to have more uh, gigs in France. I know it's not the type of electronic music they want. In France, what's very popular is what I call, you know, the um, soft, deep house, like the likes of uh, uh, Joaquin Pastor, um, NTO, uh, like, you know, the very soft... Yeah, Taylor Foss kind of stuff, or even even slower. Yeah, 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 the very slow uh, kind of deep house thing. So you can have a couple of parties there and there. But trance music, it's not really big in France. And there is a small community, which is very active, by the way. But Shout out to Alex Waki. Yeah, shout yeah. out to Alex. Because, by the way, I need to shout out because 10 years ago, he was one of the first to make me play in France. So shout out to Alex. He's keeping the scene alive in France. Sorry? He's keeping the scene alive in uh, France. Yeah, 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 100%. for sure, for sure, yeah. for sure. Uh, so yeah, uh, guys like him just, yeah, uh, organize parties. So the, the little community, you know, comes from all around the France too to enjoy the spoilers, but yeah, it's not really big. I've, I think when you when you say those names, and I saw uh, actually a video in the 16th in, fr- in Paris, which is like a Porsche neighborhood. I saw, I think Ilke Klein was playing there and uh, the, yeah. the club was packed. And I'm like, come on, this is slow trends. You could, you could play this as well. Yeah, I know, but it's definitely not the style. I mean, like, most of the people come for, for the place uh, and not really for the DJ. There's mm-hmm. all, uh, a couple of people uh, going there but for, for the music. But yeah, um, yeah, it's weird. Actually, I can't explain that, but it is what it is. If I was making slower music and sign on different labels, maybe I would have more gigs in France, but maybe less gigs in the United States. It just depends on the market you are yeah, in. Yeah, in the end, you have to do what you love most. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for answering all these questions. And uh, yeah, Congratulations once again on releasing X. Thank you. And I hope to welcome you many times here again with new albums and new music. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Thank you so much for watching this podcast and I'll see you next time for a new one. See ya. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in. To check full episodes of A State of Trance for free, simply visit armandradio.com. A State of Trance returns next week.